This is episode 93 of the Rising Man podcast with Erica Shepard. It is little men know of women. Their smiles and their tears alike are seldom what they seem. Welcome back, Rising Man fam. Dropping another bomb for y'all today. I am your host, Jedi Azuma. Joining today is one of my sisters. That's right, another female on the show bringing some valuable insight into the opposite sex and helping to bridge the gaps between fire and water here. Such an important part of this collective healing and growth that we're all a part of, so honored to have another female on The Rising Man. But before we jump into our episode for this week, I'm gonna remind you guys about the one thing that's responsible for 95% of the man I've become today. Maybe 97%. I'm talking about having a men's team, a men's circle that I've sat with for the past seven years and circles I've been in for the past 10 years. The best of what I've learned about manhood, masculinity, and becoming the man that I've always wanted to be has come from this space. I spent so much time in my circle with my team that I forget how many guys there are still out in the world who don't have this, who don't have a space like this one. And since I can't travel the world to see every one of you guys and my team can't make it out to all of the men who need it, what we created is the Rising Man Fire Circles to create that culture, to create that community in a virtual capacity with the tools that we got. Men from different countries, different continents, practicing masculinity together. It's about accountability. It's about mirroring each other, challenging, sharpening each other so that we can be the men that we've always wanted to be. The fathers, the brothers, the husbands that we know we can be with the support that we need the most. And we can only get there by practicing, by getting in the ring with each other, holding high standards of masculinity and doing the work. So if you're ready to step up, step in and be a part of this community, we're waiting for you. Join us by going to patreon.com slash rising man click on the 33 dollar a month tier and sign yourself up jump in feet first and become one of the rising men inside of the fire circle don't put it off your destiny is waiting for you man we are waiting for you and all you need is the support that you've never had sign up jump in feet first let's go all right my guest for today is miss erica shepherd she is a family nurse practitioner now serving as a mind body healer and freedom coach living and loving in charlotte north carolina she originally hails from cleveland ohio has also lived in pennsylvania arizona and California. Her background as a nurse includes mainly working in psychiatry, mental health, and emotional trauma, along with several years as a neurotrauma ICU nurse in a level two trauma center. Her NP training comprises holistically of conventional family medicine, integrative and functional medicine, and mind-body medicine. Erica truly believes that everyone has the power to heal and that everyone innately knows the path to their own healing. She is a lifelong learner and is constantly curious, reading, listening, adventuring, and exploring. In this episode, we went into the discussion of why it's difficult for men to open up and be vulnerable and the cost of suppressing our emotions. Why is it so difficult for us as men to open up and to share what's going on beneath the surface? What is it that women are really looking for and hoping for from men, especially in intimate partnerships? Erica had some really great insight into this question, especially coming from the opposite sex. We talked about vulnerability in our sex lives. Why do we hold back what we want from our partners? How can we open up communication and experience more fulfillment sexually together and as individuals? And last but not least, when and where is it safe to be vulnerable with our partners? What can we do to make them feel more safe, even when we're sharing truth that may scare them? So without further ado, Miss Erica Shepard. Welcome back, Rising Man family. I have a very special guest here today, one of the few women who has been invited to come on here and have a chat with us, Miss Erica Shepard, coming in from the South. <laughs> Charlotte, you said Charlotte, North Carolina? You got it. All right. Well, welcome, Erica. How are you feeling today? I am feeling really good. How are you doing? I was telling you before I hit the record buttons, I'm still, I just got back from this amazing three-day men's retreat with the Sacred Sons. Shout out to the Sacred Sons out there. Yes. It was, it was a great experience. I'm still integrating all that I received and all that I was able to give because they brought me on as a facilitator. So I was honored to be there and give my medicine. So that's fantastic. I'm landing. I'm landing. <laughs> I got in late last night. So yeah, um, but I'm here You're a and, I, and I have my voice. Usually, usually I don't have my voice after a men's event because of all the manly things we do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but uh, somehow managed to preserve it this time. It was meant to be for this podcast today. That's right. That's right. <laughs> exactly. So the intention that this conversation came from was you reaching out to me. Yeah. Asking me for some insight as to how a woman can be more supportive of men. And in all the men's work that we do, a lot of it tends to be all 
in men's circles where, where women don't come into that space. And, and part of that is deliberate. So we're going to jump right. into that. It's, such, it's a juicy topic, juicy. It's, it, but I want to ask you, I want to ask you a few questions for context purposes Absolutely. before we dive into yeah, it. Yeah, totally. So, and I always love asking women this question because it's, it's, <laughs> it's, always, it's always fascinating to see what women have to say about the difference between a boy and a man. Ooh. What is that for you? A man to me knows who he is and what he wants. Mm. And a boy is searching or mm. avoiding the question completely. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> but in my experience, you know, I'm 33 now. I was in a marriage for 10 years that did not work out. And I've been dating for the last two years with men and plenty of men. And then I grew up in a family that, you know, I had a brother and I had a lot of male cousins. And so I grew up with a strong masculine presence. Mm-hmm. And what in this whole experience, what I can definitely say at this point is there's a lot of nuances to that, but a man to me knows who he is and what he wants and can own that space. Mm. Awesome. Cool. Well, then let, let me ask you this. Since you grew up with so many masculine influences around you, what do you love and appreciate most about men or, or the masculine, whichever way you want to look at that? The masculine. Oh, definitely. Well, I, I do love men. And it's such an important thing that we heal together because whether you're gay, straight, black, white, we're all doing life together you know, men and women, like it's unavoidable. But what I love about men is the complimentary space to be myself. You know, I love the playfulness I can have with a man, the the vulnerability, the deeper conversations, and also just balancing that, that energy, which, you know, it's been very interesting because I'm a woman who is healing from being way too in my masculine energy. And, you know, doing it all, being misindependent and now allowing more of my feminine energy to come out and having that be complemented by masculine energy of men. It's a much more enjoyable and fruitful experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you brought that up. I have a similar dynamic in my relationship with my wife. She she learned how to embody and embrace a lot of masculine energy. It's oh, yeah. something that she got from her mom, too. And I think a lot of women these days is something maybe you've even been taught that that's the way to do it is to, you know, to, to live in a man's world, quote unquote, yep. got to be more like a man, right? Yep. Got to be independent, got to take care of yourself, got to go out and make, make, make things happen. Right. And I have, I have certainly done that. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it, there's a balance of everything, right? But and we may get more into this topic, but there is a point where it be, can become detrimental. And mm-hmm. I've, I've kind of learned that and men have helped me in that process of healing that. So I'm very grateful. Yeah. And this might be personal for you and not, not, this is not to paint a broad stroke for all women, but is it, would you say that you are looking for a man that will be more of that masculine container so you can soften and be more in your feminine? Do you want to let go of some of that masculine energy that you've carried for a big part of your life? How, How do you feel about that? Oh, absolutely. And what I've come to learn is it doesn't have to mean let go of your power. Because to me, for the longest time, to let go of control and let go of, you know, that that hardness, that assertiveness, to me was dangerous and felt threatening. Where I've met some great men in the last few years who have showed me that I can be held in that container and soften and surrender. I think the key word there is surrender. And I can be in my power and be safe. Mm. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that word power in because even the word power has such a masculine connotation most of the time. It really does. Because a lot of examples of what we've seen as power is control, command, conquering. Yeah. And that's a, that's a that's got a very masculine edge to it. And I'm always mystified by the power of the feminine because... Dang, women are powerful, powerful. And I say women, you know, I'll preface this. We say this a lot. Women, feminine. Yeah, I tend to go back and forth just for sake convenience of the terminology. But the feminine is so powerful in in the way that it can just move and blend and create. It's amazing. I mean, the creation of life is feminine. It is. So That's powerful. (laughs) Just say it. That's definitely powerful. (laughs) We're not here having this conversation if it's not for the feminine power. Right, right. Exactly. And yeah, it's, it's learning how to be... In, in that balance. And a lot of my friends and female clients are really struggling with that right now, that being independent, being strong, assertive women who are owning their own businesses, doing it all. And they're, they're struggling. I, and not because they're not powerful, not because they don't know what they're doing. There's just such a lack of balance in, in that kind of dynamic. Mm-hmm. Before we blow that open, because I can feel we're on the cusp of it, I I want to ask you this one. This this is a a fun question, and I'm going to 
ask you to be as honest as you can be with it. Oh, yeah. What frustrates you most about men? Oh, Lord of mercy. Okay. What frustrates <laughs> me most right now about men is the hiding. Men are hiding. And it's not just driving me bonkers. It is the majority of my clients now are men, which I could not have seen coming. <laughs> I, I honestly, I don't advertise, I, you know, I'm not here to, you know, just help men, but the majority of my men, my clients have become men and they're looking to not hide anymore, which is great. But then on the flip side, my female clients who, whose husbands or boyfriends or, you know, male companions are in this hiding. The women are frustrated because men are so in their masculine, I would say, hiding in, in dis, a disbalance of their masculine that their hearts are closed off. So I, this is the number one complaint I hear all the time. My husband or so-and-so is a great provider, but they're a great provider, but they're a great father, but, and they are craving the intimacy, the vulnerability and the, the heart of their male counterpart. Like I go on these dates and men are trying to, you know, impress me with their job and what they do. I, I don't, it's like, that's great. I don't want to minimize what you do and that you're proud of that. But who are you? What do you want? What are your hopes and dreams? And they don't know how to answer it. And that is very frustrating. Yeah. Well, it's very exposing. Yeah. I'll say from the, from the man's perspective, from yes. masculine perspective, my greatest fear has always been being seen as a, as a phony or incompetent, incapable of being what a woman needs because mm-hmm. you know, I've always want I always wanted a partner since I was a kid. My parents are 34 years married. You yeah. know, they have a great relationship. So that was that became my mission in life was to attract my partner. And being very aware and conscious of where I feel deficient or incompetent, it, it, that's what we do as men is we learn how to cover that up. Because let's be right, real, right? Let's let's be real. There's a real component to that. There the, is. It's the guy who's valid. not as attractive, the guy who's not as physically strong, or you know, able to produce, is not as high on the on the pecking order for <laughs> the, for the pack of ladies out there who are looking for a partner. Correct. I hear you. I hear you, and it's very valid. The fear is real, and the fear is valid. It's not saying, oh, you shouldn't have that. You, it, it's very valid. And so, my question for you is, you know, as a man your your fear is looking not competent enough not good enough so what to you as a man was registering as good enough and competent enough pretty much the comparisons to everything else i saw around me you know where where i saw where the guys that were bigger stronger more handsome making more money than i was so all of those all those cultural standards that have been created around worth and value right and I'm here to say it's bullshit. Mm-hmm. So, so talk, talk, talk more about that. Cause that's, that's the thing that it may take a couple of listens to this episode, but this is exactly why I bring you and other women on the show is because there's so many myths that we have as men about what women want or what they're looking for. And so tell us about this. You know, again, everything's valid and how we got to this, we got here for a reason. Okay. And the way I see it is there you know, for the past however many generations, you know, marriage and relationships were a status thing. Mm. It was it was an arrangement. And patriarchy is rules. And rules hurt anybody and everybody. So patriarchy, in my opinion, hurts men and it hurts women because it does not provide the space in the container for people to be their authentic selves, which means they cannot align with their hearts. And to me, there is nothing more detrimental than anybody not being able to align with their heart and be authentically themselves. So let's go back to our parents' generation was leveled up, I would say, from their parents' generation. You know, people had more independence, relationships were more valued over, you know, status, I would say, probably, right? But now coming into our generations, they're still, you know, like you said, you learn from your surroundings. You learn from culturally what to what to do and okay this is what it means to be a man and what i'm here to say is myself at least i can speak for myself and i can speak for a lot of my female friends and a lot of my female clients that women are hungry 
and they're hungry to connect. And then the men, because they, like, like you said, have not been taught and have not been shown how to be vulnerable, how to open up their hearts. It's terrifying. Mm-hmm. And then they retreat. They run for the hills. <laughs> and then we're like, come back. <laughs> yeah. Well, so let's 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 go into this because uh, just just to back up for a second. Yeah. The 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 way that Erica and I met for you guys listening is she, you sent me a message. You sent me a message on Instagram. I did. And you asked me for some for some feedback and insight on how how as a woman you can be more supportive of men. Yeah. And and what I what what I thought about that because you said you had a lot of male clients and I, I I hit you back with my beliefs on women supporting men in being more vulnerable, mm-hmm. you know, and I've said this here on the podcast before, I think there's a space that only men can go with each other. Yeah, I that, agree with that. that. That women can't take from it. So it stirred up this great conversation between us and the the concept the, the of vulnerability of, of a safe place for a man to share with a woman. Is there too much vulnerability, in your opinion, as a woman, that you can get from a man? Like, is there is there too much that a man can heave on you when you say, hey, show me your heart, open the floodgates, is there a point where it's like, whoa, 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 that was more than I asked for? You know, at least for me, no. Hmm. At least for me, no. And, you know, it's hard to say because we're going into uncharted territories here. A man with uninhibited vulnerability, <laughs> it's like this, this new frontier. But at least in my experience, the times where men have just fully opened up, it has just felt delicious. It has felt satiating and delightful. And even in my practice, I, I do have the honor of working with people on an extremely deep level. And men come to me and blow themselves wide open and just pour their heart out and are you know, I have men crying in front of me every single week and it, it's not a weakness. It's showing this, the strength to show their pain. So let's, let's make a distinction here because yeah. you're speaking about clients or guys that are coming to you for, for su- support in some area of their lives. So this is not, these are not intimate relationships. No, so let's talk that. about, let's talk about vulnerability from men. Okay with women in relationships because and i think this is where it may perhaps be most relevant because i know totally safety for women right mm-hmm. is the biggest thing yeah. so so let's talk about that is, is it different in an intimate relationship yeah absolutely i would say it's very satisfying in my my practice which is why i brought that up but on the flip side in my own intimate relationships when men have been able to open up and show themselves vulnerably i i just lean right into that it's it's like a magnet. Like I was like, I want more of that. You know, in my marriage, I I, I talk a lot about my, my marriage that has ended because I've learned so much from it. There was a big lack of vulnerability on both of our ends up until the end. And when he did start to open up, I felt so much closer to him than, than I ever did, even though we were finding out the painful truth that we weren't the best partners for each other. And since then, in being, uh, you know, I've been single for two years, but I have been in some intimate, you know, relationships without being called a relationship, if you will, in the past two years. And the more they've opened up, the more I can see, there's, there's several parts to this. The more a man opens up, the more I can see if this is a true alignment or not. Because if you're trying to put on any facade or any, you know, shoulds, right, to, to align with me, it's, it's, it's counterfeit. It's not real. And then the other thing too, is I can open up more, the more he opens up and that is, it's invaluable. And so I welcome it. I welcome it. My wife talks about this all the time and I'm going to say a little bit more about my perspective on vulnerability with women too. Sure. Uh, But she, she often says that she feels safer because she feels more connected when I share with her what's what's happening behind the scenes, because mm-hmm. she does experience me so much as as the provider, as you know, the lighthouse in the storm yeah. that's making sure that our family is okay, and also she's conscious enough and aware enough to know that it's not all rainbows and butterflies on the inside. So right. less and less, I, I don't I don't portray that everything is just always okay. Right. But there's still there's still an air of things can, things are a little crazy right now, but we're okay. Mm-hmm. That 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 when I can when I can convey that to her, she feels more safe. So yeah, what's your what's your experience around around that? Because I know that 
we as men, we want our partners and our families to feel safe. And a lot of times we're really scared about some stuff. Absolutely. So to show those more vulnerable emotions like fear or anger, like not, that's what it sounds like. It's like those more vulnerable emotions. Okay. In my experience that when men can show more vulnerable emotions like fear or sadness or grief, I would say those are some of the top three that men hide. It's, it's very important to be able to do that because to me, I tr- I'm a true believer. There's no around only through. And so if you're hiding or stuffing anything down, you're doing exactly that. You're hiding and stuffing down and it's going to build up and it's going to build up over time. In my experience, when men have shared those more vulnerable emotions, it's, I don't feel the safety goes away or the structure goes away. That, that lighthouse can still be there. It's not mutually exclusive. And I think that's something men really could afford to learn is that you're not losing that strength in those moments uh, where things might not be, you know, totally strong and awesome, <laughs> you know, it, 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 it's redefining what those emotions mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's, let me give a, a little more of a concrete example sure. in, in my relationship. My wife and I both have very different money stories in our, in our, in our backgrounds and money is a big trigger for her. Mm-hmm. You know, the, just a sense of scarcity. Will we be okay? Will we have enough? Mm-hmm. And going back and, you know, kind of like a more of like an ancestral legacy type of Absolutely. thing. So the topic of money can be a very triggering topic. Right. And if I were to show up in my fear around money, like, oh my God, I don't know how we're going to get through this month. Oh my God, where's all this money going to come from? From a place of not being grounded, not being centered, not being clear, uh-huh. then that has and tends to trigger her into a space of, oh my God, I need to do something now because uh-huh. he doesn't have it. I need to do something. Uh-huh. So the dynamic I'm learning that is useful in our relationship is for me to to be in that conversation with her. Cause for a while I tried to just take care of it completely offline. Uh-huh. And that made her also feel less safe because she's like, now we're not, now we're not even talking about money at all. Uh-huh. And I have no idea what's going on, but being able to go and get some support from the men in my life that helped me get clear and centered around, okay, who am I again? <laughs> <laughs> what am I up to in my life? What yeah. do I need to do? Okay. Boom. Yeah. And then come to that conversation from that place. Then we can be, then I can be clear about, Hey, this is what's going on. Uh-huh. I don't know exactly how this is all going to work out. And here's where I think we need to go. Right. So just, can you just pick apart the differences in that uh, from a woman's perspective? Cause that's <laughs> what we need to know as men. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you. And this actually goes into one of the topics I took notes about that might've come up today. And uh, this, this is a very, I want to be very intentional about how I say what I'm about to say. And so when we're in relationship space, you know, we are sharing space, right? And there's three parts to relationship. There's her, there's you, and then there's the nebulous that is the relationship, right? And in my perspective, I see we are in an epidemic as a society of codependency. And my marriage was extremely codependent. I felt very responsible for his triggers and his emotions and feelings. And how do I fix it? And then he was very much, if I was upset, it was like his job to fix it. And the thing is that I, the question I invite your, I invite is how much can I support the person in their own stuff (laughs) while still owning like what's hers and then what's mine or what's his and then what's mine. So it, in my own healing journey, because I've been doing a lot of healing the past three years, if I were to, because uh, my, my ex-husband had a lot of money triggers, right? Also, and the whole same thing, which is very valid, like growing up ancestral pain and all that and growing up more poor, where I would used to try to fix it all the time and trying to hold that space for him so he wouldn't be triggered. It was shifting the dynamic that I hold space for how he feels and understand it, but his fear around money is ultimately his to heal. And I would invite for him to, to go for that, you know, and it's, it's a very fine line. It's a very fine line. And it, that can be transposed into many different topics and conversations, mm-hmm. but yeah. <laughs> it, it, well, and, and so, so let's, let's ramp it up a little yeah. bit because when, because Vulnerability is a term that gets thrown out there so much these it days. It is, yeah. And I, I believe a lot of people hear vulnerability 
and think of it as, as all or nothing. Right. So that opening yourself is like, it's either, you know, the gate is shut or the floodgates are wide open. Right. And so I've, I've always tempered that conversation, especially around men who are so used to clamming up that making yourself very vulnerable and sharing the most vulnerable things about yourself all at once can be very disruptive for our coherence. Right. It's hard for your nervous system to take that on. If you've held a bunch of stuff in for a long time, then there's a context and situations in which it's better to do that, where it's safer, where it's easier on the nervous system. Now, I also think that there's, there's also a point to which women actually want to know. Because when when we say vulnerability, like, I want to know everything. You don't want to know everything. (laughs) You definitely don't don't want to know everything that goes on in a man's head. And I think that from what I hear from women, sometimes they think that that's what they want. Mm Because I know there's safety with information. Mm -hmm. But have you thought a little bit about that? Like, do you actually want to know everything that's happening inside of your partner's mind? That's a great question. You know, I think for a lot of women, it depends on the topic. And I think that's valid. You know, I know I'm a rare bird in that I handle a lot of deep information. Uh, you know, after working on psych units for seven years and now having this practice, and just I'm someone who wants to know a lot, but that's me. You know what I mean? But I can, I agree with you. There's a lot of women who say, I want to know, and then they do know and they lose their marbles because <laughs> they can't, they're in a space where it's very triggering whatever the man said to their to their world in whatever the topic may be and I, I know for example porn's a big one some women you know they're like just tell me and then they the man tells them what they're watching and uh, it's just the end of the world <laughs> you know because like you said it affects safety you know am i enough am i am I, now am i enough why are you doing this it goes down this whole you know these roads or whatever but what i've come to see for a lot of men and women, the roots of men holding back or women not being able to handle the information is shame. You know, I can't handle what you're telling me right now because I'm afraid I'm not enough or I'm afraid I don't matter or I'm afraid I'm not doing it right. And we aren't conscious of this. But for example, the, the things my former husband would tell me sometimes and I would go on, you know, bananas, it's because I had shame, unresolved shame. And for men, there's a lot of shame around feeling, emoting, and and feeling anything less than like a strong, adequate provider. And then that holds them back from sharing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I mean, this is great because this is exactly what it's connected to. You know, for for example, let's take a hypothetical relationship where yes. you know, let's say let's say a, a man and a woman are having having intimate difficulties, right? Like their sex yeah. life isn't where they want it to be. So they decide they want to start talking about it. And it comes up that he watches a lot of porn and he, he pleasures himself because yep. he doesn't feel like he can express himself that way to her. So she gets more interested and says, oh, well, tell me more about that. I want to know. And all of a sudden it comes out that he's been pleasuring himself to pictures of her friends. Oh, and then yeah. it's like, oh, Ooh. okay. Yeah. What do I do with that? And then, like you said, it's it's projecting this, I'm not good enough, you have to go for my friends that may be, may be already a really old wound or mm-hmm. a new wound for this, for this woman. Mm-hmm. And, and yet, but yet there was the invitation there to tell me more. I want to know more. I want to be closer to you. So we talked about what this can look like. And I think this is where we're at in this conversation for men and women, because we both have a role to play. Yeah, here. we do. And that's the thing with that scenario. So like in this hypothetical relationship with this hypothetical situation, which is actually more common than, you know, it's, it's a legitimate situation. We'll put it that way. <laughs> or someone's legitimately thinking about cheating on their wife or, or vice versa. You know, their needs aren't getting met. They don't know how to talk about it. And they, that's how they're feeling they're going to cope with it. Right. And we don't condone any behavior. We're just saying, oh, what does that mean? And be curious. But for that said situation, how I would approach it, for example, is if I were to be in a relationship and at this point, like future relationship, and that was brought to the table, anything going on within me, like my negative emotions or not negative, but darker emotions or anger or whatnot are, are mine. And I think that's where we need to start owning things as men and women. I need to stop blame as women. We need to stop blaming men for how we feel and men need to stop blaming women for holding Mm -hmm. back. Mm -hmm. 
Well said. In, Say that in, one more time. That was, uh, that was really good. Uh, uh, <laughs> I, I will repeat myself that women, <laughs> we need to stop blaming men. We need to stop blaming men for how we feel. And men need to stop blaming women for holding back. Mm, that is so good. That is that is brilliant right there. Because that's well, that's really what it comes down to, right? Yeah. Is our capacity to to be with that which is ours. It's it's ours. Those are my emotions and they're valid. That's the thing. For women who are hurting out there who have been hurt in a container in a space with a man, those emotions are valid. Okay. And for men who are holding back, you are holding back for a reason. Okay. And that's valid. And we all have to look in the mirror and ask ourselves, when is enough enough? And when are we going to start owning our pain, our emotions and our space so that we can come together back together and heal. So like this scenario, right? The whole, this porn example, I know women who would divorce their husbands over porn like that. It is that unsafe and does not feel, you know, right to them. And okay. You do you. But the thing is, is there is potential, so much potential in this scenario. There is so much potential and opportunity in any scenario where there's pain. And so for the woman, and I see this in my practice on a day-to-day basis, you have the opportunity to heal whatever wound is causing you to, to feel that way. Because it's your wound. It's your wound. And if it wasn't this, if it wasn't the porn, it'd be something else that'd be triggering that wound and, and digging the knife in and hurting. And for men, if it, if it wasn't this scenario, if like, oh gosh, I'm going to be shown here, I'm going to be seeing, I'm going to be exposed here. There's another situation where you, you're going to be exposed. Right. Yeah. Cause and, I mean, we just happened to start talking about sex and sexuality, but you know, the other big ones like, like money and finances yes. and, and even vision and purpose and, and all of these other things there's so much uh, before we shift into any of the other topics. Cause that might be a really cool dialogue as well. Yeah. The, the sexual thing from a man's perspective, that, like you that word possibility, there's, mm-hmm. there's so much possibility as a man. Yes. We're so afraid to ask for exactly what we want because it feels uncomfortable. And, you know, even, even speaking from my, from my past and my, my past relationships, much more so than the relationship I have with my wife. Yeah. Just feeling like if I, if I asked for what I wanted that they're going to say no, mm-hmm. they're going to think that I'm perverted or you know Mm -hmm. that my you know because i've I've got a really high sex drive so even just to even just to ask for sex when i want it yeah you know or then to go there Mm -hmm. didn't feel doesn't didn't feel safe and so i know there's a lot of guys out there that yes there's a possibility that if you just expressed what you wanted sexually to your partner as Mm -hmm. something to to start that conversation she might even be really willing and excited to try that with you you don't need but you don't know if you don't have the conversation that's that's it. You don't know what you don't know. And we can't know until we start talking. And here's another thing I invite is we really need to redefine rejection. And, and because to me, and I say this all the time in my practice, all rejection is, is non-alignment. It's like trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. All it is, is just the pieces aren't fitting up. It has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with her. It has nothing to do with there's anything wrong with anybody. It is just not matching up at that moment in time for whatever reason. That's a really good point. When, when did a no become so personal? When did a no become so personal? We're, we are taking it out. I'm like, oh, something wrong with me. And get, trust me, I grew up. Uh, it's only up until about, I would say, a year and a half ago that I was able to become the observer instead of the internalizer. Mm-hmm. Took a lot of work on my end because I had a lot of wounds around rejection, abandonment. I had attachment issues. and all of those again were mine. Mm-hmm. They were mine. And they, and I needed to, if I want a life of freedom, I'm, I'm a freedom healer. I'm a freedom coach. If I wanted a life of freedom, what am I going to do for me to get into that space? It was no man's job. And trust me for years, I made it my ex-husband's job mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. to make me feel comfortable and safe. Like truly when, you know, we aren't him and I are a square peg in a round hole. But for the longest time, it was like, what's wrong with me? He was like, what's wrong with me? And we're trying to figure this out. And it's like, no, there was nothing wrong with either person, you know? And there's one more thing. I I say this all the time. This is Erica's theory. I have a theory. (laughs) I have many theories, but this is Erica's theory of relationship. (laughs) (laughs) This has a good ring to it. it Yes, it does. Maybe I'll maybe I'll trademark that. Uh, Erica's theory of of human existence. (laughs) This This is my thing here is that constantly as humans, we are always asking ourselves four questions subconsciously. 
and I think this matters in this conversation of men and women uh, coming together, we're always asking ourselves subconsciously, am I loved? We're always asking, am I accepted? Do I belong? Am I, do I have a tribe? We're always asking subconsciously, do I matter? Am I in a purpose? Am I worthy? And this all, that, that links to purpose and why we're here. And then the fourth one is, am I safe? And that has to do with survival. Am I safe? And as much as you're saying, you know, women crave safety, I, I, would, I would say too, men crave it also. It just looks differently for men. Sure, sure. And, that, and that's where one of the, the boundaries between male, female, man, woman, masculine, feminine oh, right, really right, becomes right. irrelevant because the masculine and feminine that exists in us, all both of those cups need to be filled. And yeah. I do think that there's like the, at least the way I hold it is that masculine is a container that provides integrity and structure and can, yes. can create safety and containment yes. for that wild freedom of expression that uh, most of us consider to be feminine. So I'm glad that you spoke to that. And the safety and significance uh, is something that it really seems to come down to. And right. like when we talk about tribes and belonging, you know, one of the biggest, deepest wounds that anyone has is being rejected from the tribe, from the oh, community, because yeah. that used to equate to death. It did. We as humans and- don't survive well on our own, especially <laughs> no, out, out in the natural world. So it's it all true. makes, again, it all makes sense. Again, it, it all makes sense. But the thing about rejection that I heard in what you said is that no doesn't necessarily mean anything about us. It doesn't, it doesn't. mean anything. It doesn't mean anything about me. And there's so much fear around what the no might mean. Right. If my, if my wife, if my partner tells me she doesn't want to give me more blowjobs, then that means we're not going <laughs> to, we can't be married anymore. <laughs> Right. I mean, like it's, it's, it, but th- there's a real belief there. That's that. And that's, that's what comes up for, for people is, well, if I ask for it and she says no, all of a sudden everything goes out the window. Right. And that is where the opportunity to start opening up with each other comes in. Because for you, like if, if your wife says no more blowjobs or, mm-hmm. or she's just saying no to blowjobs. I'm not talking about my wife, by no, the way, no, no, just no. to be okay. clear. Hypothetical <laughs> wife. Hypothetical, Hypothetical wife. <laughs> I don't want to get myself in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Hypothetical wife says, uh, I'm not in the mood for a blowjob. And so what I invite us and Brene Brown says this, I God, I love Brene Brown is the story I'm telling myself is the story I'm telling myself and owning until we ask the person be vulnerable and ask what, what is your reason for this? Right. Which is remember is theirs. Not nothing to do with you, that you can hear their story. I'm a true believer in story. And we need to ask each other, you know, what is your story? I always ask men, what do you think and how do you feel? You know, what do you think and how do you feel? And I, the conversation needs to go both ways. What are you thinking? How are you feeling? And having this vulnerability, uh, you know, vulnerability is a spectrum, right? There's maybe a little bit of vulnerability. (laughs) There could be a lot of vulnerability, but some vulnerability can go a long way. You know, and I, I hear you. So my question to you is what are, because you do have the opportunity of being in these men's circles where men are opening up to each other in this space with men. What are some of the things men are afraid to ask their women counterparts or their feminine counterparts? You know, without going into specifics of anything, because they're right. so, it's so, it's so far reaching, you know, right, I'm, I'm, I'm never surprised by what a man is holding on to as, as truth. A lot of it has to do with having our, our having our needs met and being afraid to ask for them, you know, because yep. we men, you know, it's, it's, it's very cliche, right? They say, oh, men only want one thing. There's some truth to that. It's not that we only want one thing, but we really like having sex. It's actually a very sacred way in which we connect. And it me is. speaking from my men's perspective is women have a lot of different ways in which we in which they can connect mm-hmm. in, the, in the feminine when you're especially when you're in a feminine space, talking, conversating, communicating is is one way to connect for men. We connect physically. We tend to connect physically, especially the men that I speak to speak with. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a similar longing for connection that we don't know how to ask for because of all of the social narratives around what it means to be a guy who just enjoys having sex and expressing himself that way. I I agree with that. And you know what I've noticed? Cause again, I've, I've been single for a few years now. (laughs) I've done my own research. We'll put it that way. Uh And, (laughs) The thing I'm noticing too is a lot of men are, it's a fine line because sex can be anything, right? It's, it's creative space. It can be whatever we want. And men need to be very careful that they're not hiding in sex either. Mm -hmm. 
And because in sex, I don't have to own what I, how I'm feeling, what I'm saying, what I'm thinking. And there is some very subtle darkness that can be trans transferred in sex that I've experienced as a woman mm. that I'm like, Oh goodness gracious. Like we need to start talking because, because, because you're not owning your vulnerability outside of the bedroom, mm-hmm. you're, you are finding an outlet in sex. And because it's only sex, there's some dark stuff coming through. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a really good thing to bring up. You know, like I think that's really true is that, that, that can be something to hide behind where it's like, whoa, you're working, you got, you're working some things out in here. And all of a sudden now as, as a woman, it's not making me feel safe. So let's have a conversation about this. I think this is where, so when we, when we compare the the benefits of a man who's able to be vulnerable in a circle with men versus being vulnerable with a woman or specifically his intimate partner, there's a lot of stuff that can be said. The objectivity is what it comes mm-hmm. down to. Yep. The, the objectivity of a men's space where also most men will raise their hand and say, hey, man, me too. Right. I, I, I have that same exact scenario that the details of that circumstance, you know, me wanting to have this sexual experience with my wife or, or afraid because I'm having thoughts of other women and I've never had that before. There's there's a different safety that happens there. Yes. Where a man can just even even to just vocalize it for the first time. Mm-hmm. That's why I think the spark of vulnerability is best best occurs in that kind of space where it's other guys that there's there's so much less subjectivity to it. Well, and I, I would agree that there needs to be intentional vulnerable space, whether it's men with men or men with women, there needs to be intentional vulnerable safe space. And I, I agree with you that especially when it comes to sexuality and intimacy and, and areas where men and women are coming together, it's, I would say, inherently easier for men to talk about with men and women to talk about it with women. But this is where the shift I'm really inviting needs to occur is now we need to, again, like right now, coming back together and having some really uncomfortable conversations, but they're real and they can heal. And it's not until we start going to those really uncomfortable safe spaces where it is going to bring up a lot of demons for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And a lot of old hurts, but it's not, be- again, it's not because of women, it's not because of men, right? And that's where we need to start realizing it's not his job to fix my pain and it's not her job to make me feel more uncomfortable or make me feel more comfortable when this is inherently going to be uncomfortable. Yes. Yeah. And, and I think that's going all the way back to the first question that you ever asked me around, you know, basically around the context of how women can support men Yeah. is... I agree. I believe in that vision that you're sharing. And I think that the secret sauce is the ability to be objective and the, the depth of vulnerability is directly proportional to the, the depth that some, that whoever's receiving that vulnerability can hold it. Yeah. And in order to hold it, you got to be able to, to remove yourself and your own beliefs from it. Cause I think about, I go to the extremes mm-hmm. because I, I think that that's, that gives us a full sense of the spectrum. Sure. Let's take a woman who, who was raped by a man. Yeah. And then for for a man who has raped a woman to sit in front of her and share his story without her being triggered or without her having some sort of attachment or resistance without, I mean, that, that obviously, again, that's like a pretty extreme example. But if we believe in having that type of communication with each other in a culture where we can do that, then there's, there's a lot of individual work and collective work that needs to happen. Right. And for, so for example, I, I did have a serious heartbreak about two years ago post-divorce and man, was I angry and like very, very angry (laughs) and pissed off and hurt. I mean, I was just hurt. And that's the thing. Anger is a secondary emotion. Anger is always covering something else up. So it's usually covering up pain and sadness and grief, which are much more vulnerable emotions. And so for me, I was working through that I was seeing a, a male healer. It was like shamanic type situation. And he had said something to me and man, did it trigger me to the, to the highest degree. And I said, I said to him, I know my triggering right now has nothing to do with you. And you are just in the space with me, but I'm about to lose my shit. <laughs> and I lashed out on him and I said, and this has nothing to do with you, but blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like uh-huh. it was just the space and the more we can realize you know that our pain is our pain again and that we might not be there because at that time i had not worked through my pain right i was still very much the wound was still wide open uh-huh, uh-huh. 
But again, I was now in a space. What was the upgrade from say two years before that was that I owned it was mine and he was just a mirror. Mm. You are just a mirror reflecting back my current pain that is mine. That is mine to heal. And you are helping me through that. I appreciate it. And I'm losing my shit. (laughs) (laughs) While you're trembling and like, you know, one eye is wide open and drool's coming out. It's like, I know this isn't you. (laughs) I know this isn't you, but fuck you. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And that that goes both ways too. That goes both ways too for for us as men. I know, and I'll just make it personal. I know that that's something I do as well as I bring my own self-worth self-value conversations into my relationship and yeah. i and i make what my wife is telling me about her process mean something about me right and and that's that's really that's really the work when it comes down to it if we're if we're circling this and bringing it all together what we're saying here is if we want a society where men and women can relate and support yeah. each other then what it sounds like it requires is for each of us to to heal the things that we have to heal that are our, that are our own nailed it yeah preach so, it exactly so let's 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 let that be there because we could obviously you and i could talk for days oh, and days about this stuff totally i, I trust that um <laughs> and we have a limited amount of time so yes, i want to make do. sure i ask you some lightning questions before we let everybody know where they can follow you and and learn more about how to work with you so yeah what what is one thing that you've learned in your life you wish you knew when you were 18 oh my god <laughs> that it wasn't about me mm, good one like that it wasn't about and, me yeah okay. yeah like the the my hmm, growing up in the family i did they did the best they could they're wonderful people and there are trauma stories from both sides that weren't healed right and when trauma doesn't heal it it begets more trauma period and i grew up thinking if something were going wrong i had to fix it and somehow it has something to do with me which was not true and if if I had known that at 18, man, <laughs> bypass some of the, some I of the would, darkness. <laughs> exactly. So my teenage clients yeah. now I'm like, look, it isn't about you. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, that's, oh, and that's okay. how we, that's how we heal the ancestral stuff. Right. So oh, absolutely. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. It's not about you. All right. So these next couple of questions, you may have already covered this already. So maybe there's just like a, a really simple sum- summary for these answers. So what do, what do women need more of from men? Women need more heart. I, I I would say men are stuck in a cycle of performing and providing without heart. Mm. Yes, I agree with that. It's it's and, yeah, it's shame and ego driven versus their own heart and joy. Nice one. And last one, what is the one message you have for men about women? Oh, that's a good one. I would say if okay, going back to that example of like the the hypothetical girlfriend or wife freaking out about mm-hmm. porn, mm-hmm. it's their own shame. Mm. Like women are hurting in their own ways and realizing that, yes, like we are all responsible for our own behaviors and how we come into the world. But women's pain is what women are working through are a lot of their own shame of not feeling like enough and not being enough. And whatever is going on there, just being aware, conscious awareness goes a long way. Yeah. You That's can start, a good one. Yeah. So just being consciously aware of that, that they might not feel like enough. They might not feel like they matter. And they're, they, people just want to belong and be loved and accepted, you know? And so we're all Amen trying to, to that. Yeah. We just are trying so hard and it's like, we don't need to try. We just need to be. Oh. Yes. Yes. The being. Okay. <laughs> the being. Before, before we wrap up, then let us know how people can follow you, find you, learn more about you, work with you. Give us the details. All, all, all the deets. All the deets. Yeah. So all I own them. my own remote practice, Inner Fire Wellness. And you can find me at Inner Fire Wellness NC. That's for North Carolina.com. I work with clients all over the United States, all over the world. And all my energy healing and mind body medicine can be done from anywhere. And coaching can be done from anywhere. So if you live in California, hit me up. If you live in Hawaii, hit me up. It doesn't matter. And yeah, I'm on Instagram at innerfire underscore wellness. You can find me there. And um, my social media tags are on my website as well. Awesome. We'll make sure we put that up in the show notes. Erica, thank you so much. I think this is a really important conversation. Thank you you so much. And speak on behalf of all the women, the feminine out there. Thank you for being that. And I learned a lot. Thank you. (laughs) you. Thank you for bringing yourself. (laughs) Oh, well, thank you for inviting me and keep doing what you're doing. It's fantastic. You got it. 
One of my favorite things about this show, about my job, is that I never know exactly where a conversation is going to go. And it was really cool how in this conversation, we naturally migrated to the topic of sexuality and how we as men, I know myself and I know a lot of other men who are this way, who we don't ask for what we want sexually. We're afraid to ask for that from our partner. We're afraid to express ourselves for a whole host of reasons. But I thought that was just such an interesting part of this miscommunication that occurs between the genders, between the sexes, between masculine and feminine. And what a, what a great representation of what it can look like, the simplicity that Erica brought to the conversation. And obviously, as she said many times, her unique position as a woman and what she wants to have in relationship with men and with the masculine, but also what's possible with our female counterparts and when we can really open up and express ourselves and how important it is for each of us to be doing our individual work so we can hold a more powerful space for each other. That was that was it right there. That's the juice of the whole episode is each of us being able to do our work so that we can be a stronger container for each other. Hope you enjoyed it. Make sure y'all go and check out what Erica's doing. She's doing incredible work over there in North Carolina. For all of you guys who are listening to this and you're like, dang, I need some more support in my life. I need some brothers like the ones that Jetty's talking about. I need a circle. I need a community of men who are always going to have my back. You know what to do. Go to patreon.com slash rising and get yourself in the fire circles right now because your brothers are waiting for you and the community's growing. It's time to get, get on board, be a part of this movement and get the support that you need. All right, make sure you guys go sign up today. As always, you can get the show notes with links and resources from this episode and others at the risingmanpodcast.com. Big shout out to Julian Subic, my man who's been hooking that up for over a year now, making sure you guys have the episodes every week. He's also the one who comes up with the titles and the intros for every episode. So big, big shout out to Julian doing a lot of work behind the scenes. Make sure you subscribe and follow us wherever you're listening to the podcast. Please leave a review or a comment. Five-star rating if you believe we deserve it. Letting us know what your biggest takeaways, insights, and reflections are from each and every episode. Wherever you're listening to us, whether it's on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, give us those ratings and reviews. They really help go a long way. I've seen you guys been doing that every single week. Thank you. Thank you for continuing to do that because it makes a difference. Make sure you guys look us up. Follow us on Instagram at Rising Man Podcast. My man Rowan Time been hooking up the Rising Man Instagram for a long time time now making it look really nice and, and putting up those pieces of content so you guys can share them easily so if there's an episode that was particularly profound for you best thing to do after you love it and like it and comment all about it on itunes go over to instagram find the image corresponding to the episode that you love and share it up on your instagram i see all you guys doing that every week sharing in your ig stories the posts that rowan puts up so thank you for doing that please continue to do so and if you haven't done that yet go take a minute and do that right now <laughs> and special thanks to sean offenbach my man who's holding it down on the audio engineering, the editing, mastering, producing of the Rising Man podcast. He's our executive producer, Sean Offenbach right there. That's 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 really the title that he deserves. Thank you, brother, for everything you do. And last but not least, our head fire chief inside the fire circles, Mark Rose, doing an outstanding job stepping into that role, really defining what it means to be a head fire chief because we just made that up. <laughs> but he's doing a fantastic job. Appreciate you, brother. For everybody else out there, until next time, rise up and claim your destiny. Your destiny.